Welcome to Small Business Celebration. We're continuing our series on small business sustainability. And our guest this week, well, it's more than just about fixing all the things that you should have done when you first started your business. It's also about the surprise that comes from behind the waterfall. This is Small Business Celebration. Welcome, where we're celebrating small businesses for big breakthroughs. Welcome to Small Business Celebration, and our guest this week is Amanda DiGiacomo, the owner of Atlas Financial Solutions. Welcome to Small Business Celebration. Thank you. I appreciate you having me on today. For visionaries who don't know who you are, who are you, and what is it that you do? My name is Amanda DiGiacomo, owner of Atlas Financial Solutions. We're a local full-service accounting firm, so we do everything from sales tax, payroll, tax returns, and bookkeeping. One thing you guys do is you clean up people's books. Yes. But before we get into that, you didn't start off as in accounting. Mm -hmm. What did you originally go to school for? Yeah, so I actually didn't go into school and to get an accounting degree, and then I quickly switched to an economics degree at the CSUB Bakersfield. Right. I'm actually fourth generation to graduate with an economics degree from CSUB. Congratulations. Uh, thank you. So it's runs in the family. But even in my undergrad and while I was in my first big girl job, I like to say, right. I was still doing bookkeeping and accounting on the side. Right. The economics degree to me taught me how to critically think and how to think on a big macro level, which mm. is I liked seeing how the markets interacted with each other, how local policies or even national policies impacted the markets and things like that. And so I really enjoyed my economics degree. After your first quote, unquote, big girl job, mm -hmm. What was, what was the breakthrough? Why, why did you want to become an accountant? So I've always been doing bookkeeping on the side uh -huh. for my family's companies that they had. Okay. And after that, I they gave me a full-time job with them managing as their controller of their properties mm -hmm. and their businesses. And so then I got more and more experience. And from there, we I became like operations manager and I kind of was running everything. And I did that for five years. And they decided that they wanted to retire and it was either me take over their company fully or, uh. you know, what was I going to do? And they were kind of in construction and that's where my background is. I'm OSHA 30 certified. I know how to project manage. And you project have your own Costco. steel toe boots. Yes, exactly. <laughs> um, and hard hat and everything. Sure. But I, I wasn't really, I mean, not that I'm not passionate about helping those in the construction industry. I wasn't passionate about myself, about learning the building codes all the time and all the regulations that were always coming down. And so I decided that I wanted to open my own accounting firm and see how it went. And in that time, I got certified in taxes and sales tax and payroll, even though I was already doing all these things for the companies, I went and got those certifications. Once I got those certifications, I opened Atlas and with within the first month of opening, we already had three clients signed up in that first month. And then it kind of just grew from there. So a couple things on that that's interesting is that the reason you went into business is because you lost your job. Yes, I, well, I didn't <laughs> technically lose it because they were offering me to either take it over okay. or I could leave. So I didn't lose the job. I just didn't want to take over that company. Oh. So yeah, so I guess I quit per se. <laughs> sure. Um, 
But I mean, I still helped them close out. They were one of the first three clients that I had. So even though I wasn't internally doing their books, I was running it through my business and I was helping them while they phased out until whatever the next section plan that they wanted to do. Right. And then we started advertising. I have friends that have businesses. I have sorority sisters because I'm, I'm in a sorority at CSUB, Gamma Phi Beta. Uh -huh. You know, I'm going to advertise to them to see if they need any of this assistance. And it turned out that they did. And so a lot of those first clients were people that I knew by just word of mouth and not really having Instagram or advertising like it was just word of mouth people that I knew that I approached. If there has ever been a reason for somebody going to college and debating whether or not to go into sorority or fraternity mm -hmm. that's the reason right there. <laughs> Connections and networking yes. Absolutely. For sure. You opened up your, your shingle and you had your the, the business that you're already working with mm -hmm. for the family where'd the other two come from? I went up to my friends who had businesses and I said, hey, are you, I can see you're doing this and this. These, these are my suggestions. You know, I'm starting this company. Would you want to be a client? And they agreed to do that. At what point did bookkeeping and economics meet? Economics, there's micro and macro. So the micro, most people understand because it is the small business and the local politics right. and things. And our small businesses, our community, we impact our local GDP here in Kern County. We impact local policy here. Due to that, it's really important to help those small business owners. And when I started the business, I found out from what I was hearing from other small business owners, and I'm talking about sole proprietors, single member LLCs, or, you know, one shareholder, you know, or a husband and wife shareholder of an S corporation. Right. Those are the smaller businesses I'm talking about. They didn't have the funds to always go reach out to these large CPA firms and pay the consulting fees to get that one-on-one -on -one help that they needed. Right. So I took the approach of, hey, here's a free discovery call. Here's a free newsletter. Here's my Instagram page where I'm giving free educational information to those who can't afford to pay those consulting fees. And then I built that reputation of, you know, giving back to the community and educating those who can't always pay it forward for that. When you first year business, you're starting all these things, you have all these costs, you can't, sometimes it's not in the budget to also consult with a CPA or an, a lawyer, right. uh, which you definitely should be doing on a regular uh, basis. On a regular basis. Right. And I understand that sometimes it's not in the budget. So that's why I do offer that free consultation because at least they can get the roadmap for the first year set so that they're not having to fix things three years down the line and the, the foundation is set. What if you're a business owner and you're in years three, four, five of your business, mm -hmm. but now you're fixing right. all the things you did the first two years. You survived. Congratulations. Should they be intimidated to come to somebody like you? No. And that was a big part of my marketing strategy when we first came mm -hmm. off was like, you can come have coffee with me at Starbucks or Cafe Smitten or somewhere. And I'm going to be that friend that's going to kind of give you that advice that's going to help you out of that situation. You're not a certified licensed tax professional or an accountant. I think it's hilarious that the IRS expects you to know how to maintain your own books. I think that actually everybody should have an accountant and it should be mandated by the IRS because <laughs> you're getting taxed on something that you have no idea, no education on. So right. you're going 
going to make mistakes. It's going to be expected of you because right. you're not licensed in that. Right. Those are the most fun jobs to me because I get to educate. I get to use what I like to do, my people skills, and I like to right. come in and tell them, okay, well, we've been running payroll wrong. We've been running our balance sheet wrong. Uh, where's all your assets at? Those PPP loans, those EIDL loans, what, those grants, where all that in your books? Like, And so we come in, we do a diagnostics on their account. We educate them on what's wrong, and then they can then choose to partner with us if they want us to clean up the mess, or they can choose to clean up the mess. In the next segment, we're going to be talking very specifically to LLC or not to LLC. But before we do that, if visioners want to get in touch with you, how do they do that? Yeah, you can always go to our website, which is atlasfinancialsolutions.net. My phone number is 661-703-7781. You can always call that to book an appointment, or you can also follow us on Instagram, atlasfinancialsolutionsca. And don't forget about... That is actually true as well. I'm one of the hosts on Our Two Cents podcast, uh, one of six. And we have new mini series every single month, which currently in August, we're doing education, local education specifically. And if you enjoy the Small Business Celebration, go ahead and like, subscribe, and notify. And we're going to talk about to LLC or not LLC when we come right back. The winter season is rapidly approaching, but are the tires on your car or truck ready for wet weather? Bakersfield's best tire store, Clarou Tire, has been serving families like yours for 80 years and installs and services the tires your family depends on when the wet weather comes. Give Clarou Tire a call at 661-324-6069 and ask them about what tire works best for you and your budget. Call Clarou Tire at 661-324-6069 or visit them at 530 East 21st Street in Bakersfield or at ClarouTire.com today. The wet winter weather is rapidly approaching. Call Clarou Tire at 661-324-6069 today. I'm here with Amanda DiGiacomo, the owner of Atlas Financial Solutions, and our visionary question comes from Lonnie who asks, I've just passed the two-year mark of my business, and now I hear that having my business as an LLC may be a waste of money. How do I know if I'm wasting my money or not? Yeah, so obviously I need to consult with each individual because that can vary. Sure. So typically, you mean there's no big blankets? No, never forever? and never in accounting law. <laughs> okay, sure. There's rule of thumbs that kind of generally work, but again, you should be consulting with right. you know your local CPA um, or you can set up a free consultation with me. Sure. But typically what I tell people, if you're not in a high-risk industry and you're not netting, so if you netting means you have your gross sales minus your expenses, your right. net income, if you're not netting 50000 or more, more, then typically you don't need an LLC or corporation in the state of California specifically mm. um, because the fees are just so high here to maintain an LLC or right. a corporation. And if you're not bringing in money and you don't have that high risk of being sued, you don't need a separate entity. It's $800 with a franchise tax board a year for any LLC right. and corporation to maintain being a business here. Right. And then you additionally you have to file extra forms and extra fees on top of that. So I like to say Minimally, it could cost you $1,200 a year just to have an LLC or a corporation. And if you're not making money to afford that, then again, there's no much reasons for that. There's not much tax benefits to being an LLC because mainly they're taxed as a sole proprietor. Right. Um, the benefit is that it's a separate entity, which you can't, you know, essentially if you're operating it correctly, which I see people don't operate it correctly, right. you know, the entity would be sued they and not you. They pierce the corporate veil. Exactly. <laughs> 
But if you do have, you know, a high risk industry or you're netting all this income and you have employees, then yes, sometimes it is beneficial to have the LLC or to have a corporation. Or if you have property and you want the property and it's going to be a rental, it might you might want to put that into an LLC so it's separate from your personal. So again, there's always different sure. answers for the situation. You're involved with the Henrietta Weill Memorial Child Guidance Clinic. I had to look down because it's a long name. <laughs> yeah. And first of all, there's a Cliff Notes name for it, which is the Child Guidance Clinic. Child... Kind of what we just call it here. <laughs> sure, sure. Everyone in the meetings don't just say the long name. <laughs> like, oh, Child sure. Guidance Clinic. Oh, we got a donation for the Child Guidance sure. Clinic. Yeah. And why are you involved with this organization? Yeah, I was reached out by their board. Um, they saw, you know, my community leadership and things like that, and they thought that I'd make a good addition. But personally, it was at a time in my life that I was ready to share my personal story, which I have a very connection to my past to this mission, which the mission is we provide therapy to foster kids and their families, mm. uh, especially some of them that have been placed in the system and they have substance abuse or sexual abuse and things like that. We provide counseling for these children to help get through that situation mm. and the families also to educate them how to help their child get through this situation. Um, and so it was uh, near and dear to my heart. You know, I didn't have the best upbringing and my mom tried her best, but we sometimes lived on the streets or we didn't have food or we got food from the clinics or churches and things like that. And uh, it wasn't until I went to therapy when I was in high school that I realized the benefit of therapy. Just near and dear to my heart because I was one of those statistics. I was one of those kids that wasn't supposed to make it and I did. And so I'm trying to give back to the community. Um, I serve on that board, but I do volunteer or sponsor a lot of other uh, foster kid um, nonprofits here in Bakersfield. Growing up, with when your mom and you were some, and you were sometimes on the streets, mm -hmm. and that changes the way somebody approaches life mm -hmm. and approaches business, right? How did that influence the way that you approach your business? I love this question because it kind of uh, brings me into my budgeting courses that I offer people, which I don't advertise that I do this, but I do. And the first two weeks of my course, we literally discuss what does money mean to you? Mm. And if you don't know how your personal relationship with money is, then you're not going to be able to make financial decisions for yourself, let alone your family. What is your personal relationship with finances? So because of my childhood... I tend to oversave and be a money miser because okay. of the fact that I had nothing. And when we had money, you know, it, it quickly went to bills and things like that and didn't have the nice things growing up. Uh, we bounced from house to house, uh, city to city, um, sometimes state to state. We moved around so much. Right. Um, so we just didn't have a lot of things. And so when I started making my own money, it was kind of I had to teach myself, okay, well, I'm stable now. I don't need to hoard all my money. I'll f I'm fine. You know, the floor from underneath me isn't going to just suddenly disappear. I have backup plans. Right. But it takes time going through therapy and working through yourself on what money means to you. Some people... They, in my situation, they didn't have money and they get money and that means success and they want to spend it because right. they want to show that they made it. Right. And I was the complete opposite, which that's a valid way. But knowing that about yourself can help you then train yourself to not spend money. Mm. Where mine was, I didn't want to spend money at all. And I lived way below my means and things like that because I was always afraid of not having money. How is that a problem? 
Uh, when you start becoming into a relationship with a partner, it becomes a problem when, you know, I want to buy a house, I, I want to buy a new car, or I use new car, for example, I, I, you know, or you're planning, oh, this should go into my retirement plan, or you start planning mm -hmm. long term, it starts to have conflicts in your relationship, because I was like, nope, we don't need that, we don't need that, you know, I drove a beat up car, and if it wasn't for somebody totaling that car, I would have never bought a new car, and right. I didn't even buy a new car, even though I could afford it, I bought a used new car. Right. And that's what I drive around because, again, having the security of money made me feel better. When you started Atlas, mm -hmm. you had this mindset. I did not have the mindset because I already worked through it in my okay. early 20s. I didn't start Atlas until like 28, 29. And so I was already kind of went through therapy, already okay. worked through a lot of those situations. But it, it did trigger it the first year right. when I started my business. You look at the balance sheet going, wow, we're doing great. But yeah, do we well, spend it? Well, it wasn't even that. It wasn't until uh, month 11 that the business boomed mm. and I was actually making any money. I actually had to pull from my savings the first 11 months to pay for rent and food and things like that. So for me, coming from that background of scarcity mindset, right. I was definitely scared that first year, but I tried to say, hey, I've worked through this, I have money, I have backup plans, like everything's fine. So yeah, it was definitely difficult to self-regulate myself into being like, this is what you wanted. But I gave myself a one-year mark. If mm -hmm. Atlas didn't hit it by year one, then I was gonna go back and get, you know, uh, a quote unquote a, real job. Yeah, huh? quote unquote real job. <laughs> One of the other challenges with the scarcity mindset is that everybody is your competition. Right. Have you found this to be the case? No. Um, and I think just because of my background with community that I realized that, especially in Kern County, if you are supportive and you're here and you show up and you you know, put your name on something and you stand behind it, like people support that. Mm. And so I ac actually haven't had anybody really be competition with me. I have a lot of mentors that are female accountants that help me in my business. And I have a lot of CPA firms that partner with me that could have easily been like, hey, you're a competition. We don't want to work with you. Right. And myself, I try to uplift all those around me as well and not think of, you know, everyone's competition and community over competition is what I really try to do. But I do have some clients who do sometimes get into that mindset and I have to remind them, well, how are you branding yourself and what are you doing different than that other person? And that's what you should be focusing on. Not that that is another person, because as we know, there's there's tons of accountants here in Bakersfield. I'm not the only one, right. but I might be the only one that resonates with you or that you feel comfortable enough to open up to, which can help you in your situation. Or versus maybe my other partner has different experiences and I can refer you to another CPA firm because they might, hey, they connect, they have the same situation going on in their life. I'm going to connect you with them because I think that you can work better with them. And when I do my 30-minute consultation that we do try to just see if I'm the right fit because this is how I work, this is how I communicate, and sometimes that might not be a good fit for you. And it's just finding who fits you and understands you. And that's how everybody is shopping. And so again, there is no competition. It's who is your people out there and who can you gravitate towards? When we come back in the next segment, we're gonna talk about who are your people? Or specifically, when you speak to multiple organizations and educate multiple organizations to find who your people are when we come right back. The reason we're talking with Amanda DiGiacomo, the owner of Atlas Financial Solutions, is because of the visionary questions that come from visionaries just 
like you. They reach out to us on LinkedIn, Facebook, and Instagram, and want to find out how do I pick the right, or do I need to be an LLC, or how do I pick the right organization to go talk to? So if you've got a question, you've got a thought, something you'd like to learn about here on Small Business Celebration, reach out to us on LinkedIn, Facebook, and Instagram. And who knows, your question could appear here on Small Business Celebration. So reach out to us on LinkedIn, Facebook, and Instagram today. I'm here with Amanda Giacomo, the owner of Atlas Financial Solutions, and our visitor question comes from Tony who asks, we get asked all the time to give presentations about various aspects of our business to different organizations. How do you narrow down the pool so that you don't feel like you're wasting your time with organizations that won't reach your target customer? It's interesting because our podcast just did a segment on sales and marketing. And right. I think that uh, the consensus was branding and finding your niche market. You know, if you don't know who you are as a brand and if you don't have a good branding message, meaning like through your website, through your Instagram, through your newsletter, through while you're out in public in right. the community, if your brand isn't saying the same thing, then we need to start with the brand. Right. And then from that brand, we need to then narrow down our demographic uh, targets of who we want to work with. And on that segment, we talked about sometimes it's so hard because, you know, nowadays it's so it's a buzz to, to not focus on demographics. But when you are trying to market, we need to. And with TV and radio and even podcasts and things, we can narrow it down to what age bracket, man, woman, things like that. And right. so you really need to know, well, who am I trying to target? Uh, that organization, you know, when if you know who your demographic target is, you can ask that organization, well, who, what type of people are following your newsletter? What type of people are going to be coming to this event? And things like that. And that might help you narrow down, okay, well, I might get some return on investment during this presentation because they have my demographic there. Right. An example might be, I went and gave a speech at the uh, Big Shield Chamber, and I'm giving one to the Women's Center mm -hmm. for business owners. Okay. Well, that's my demographic because right. it's business sure, owners. Sure. If I went and gave that same speech to the Child Guidance Clinic, it might not hit very well right. because that's for foster kids and right. families. And some of them might want to start a business one day, so maybe it might hit. Right. But generally, it's not going to hit because and I'm not going to be giving them that speech about business. I might right. be giving them the speech about my personal connection to foster care right. um, versus how to start a business and why you shouldn't be an LLC. Right, sure. <laughs> um, right, right. So, yeah, so knowing your brand and your demographic is going to help kind of weed out, you know, who you should be targeting when you're going to speak at speaking engagements. When you're not here, mm -hmm. what do you like to do for fun? When I'm not here or when I'm not in the community, um, right, sure. I actually love hiking and traveling and, and going to new places. Uh, recently, I was just in Iceland, came back a fiance. Congratulations. <laughs> Thank you. You went as a girlfriend, came back as a fiance. Yes, huh? super exciting. All I'm... right, so now you have to tell the story because if you're yes. going to drop this on us, you have to tell us what happened. Yeah, so um, he played it off. I, I mean, everyone kind of thought maybe that he was going to propose to me on this trip, but, you know, you never really know. And we've talked about marriage before, and, you know, we're both on board. And, and he kind of played it off. It was the second to last day. Um, I still had no ring on my finger this whole time. <laughs> and by the way, what's his name? Oh, Stephen Jones, and okay. he's owner of Tech Express. It's a local IT company here. Okay. He wished you off. 
to Iceland. Yeah, we went to Iceland. Uh, it was my um, gift for making out a tax season. <laughs> Surviving. Uh, we went two weeks to Iceland, and uh, people always ask me why I went to Iceland, uh -huh. and it was because it's so diverse. They have glaciers, they have uh, volcanoes, waterfalls. They just have so many things to offer. Right. And I was super excited because I'm a huge waterfall hike person. Okay. And so I had this whole list. I think we had 20 waterfalls that we were supposed to see while we were there. Right. Unfortunately, it was kind of rainy and and cold, so we didn't get to in go. In Iceland, yes. it's rainy and cold well, during the summer. <laughs> during the summer, it was supposed to be like 50 and sunny. Okay. For June and July, so right. I was kind of planning for that, which right. is still kind of cold, but I was. Right planning for sunny not rainy and 40 right <laughs> uh, which was like rainy and 40 and so we didn't get to go to all the waterfalls but it was the second to last day and we did like seven waterfalls in one day and the last waterfall was this huge waterfall where you can walk behind it in mm. a cave and so we were walking behind it and just a picture alone there with the waterfall behind you is an epic photo. Right. So, you know, we asked somebody to, you know, take a picture and, and it was, I guess, suggested that they take a video. And so they're actually videotaping us and not taking a picture behind the waterfall. And he drops down to one knee and proposes to me with this epic waterfall in the background. And right as I say, uh, yes, and they turn off the camera, a wind came and then blew and got us all wet. So we're soaking wet, newly engaged, but soaking wet behind this waterfall. So. Uh, it was definitely, it was very memorable. Iceland was awesome. All the different local things that we got to meet and, and eat and see, and it was awesome. When you go hiking, mm -hmm. aside from Iceland and that wonderful experience, what do you learn about hiking that you apply to your business? I think I hike for self-care. So when I'm up there, I feel like I can really connect with my inner thoughts because, again, there's no distractions. You're not really supposed to be playing loud music, mm. and there's not many other people up there. Your phone, there's no reception. Oh, darn. Can't get emails. Right. Can't get phone calls from my oh, staff. Oh, darn. It's horrible. <laughs> so I think it's just disconnecting and recharging and that self-care, which gives me a better perspective when I'm coming back for work. So it's not something that I can take and actually apply as a tangible skill into my work, but it's something that's helping me recharge so that I am focused for work. What makes you wake up every morning and open your business? This is personal to me. I mean, I'm 32, going to be 33 this year. And um, I feel like I, I you know, have had jobs, but this is the, I finally made it. I'm finally successful. Finally got engaged, getting married. Um, I've had to work. I work two jobs while I put myself through school and, you know, I think especially with my background, a lot of people forget that it is an instant gratification and you have to work 10 times harder. And as unfortunately, as a business owner, it's the same concept. You do have to work 10 times harder to have those successes. And it isn't just going to be like what TikTok says or sometimes in Instagram reels that like, oh, I get to work remote and I get to go to Cabo whenever I want. Like you have to put in the work and you're not going to see those rewards right away. Um, and it's, it can be challenging. You might want to give up, but you can't give up. You have to keep going if this is the dream that you're wanting. And you have to realize that in time, if you keep showing up and showing consistency and doing what you're doing, the money will come. Amanda, this has been a real treat. Thank you for joining us here on Small Business Celebration. Thank you, of course. And if visionaries want to get in touch with you, how do they do that? 
my website, atlasfinancialsolutions.net, or my cell phone, 661-703-7781. You can call to book an appointment. My Instagram page, which is atlasfinancialsolutionsca, or you can check out the podcast I'm on, Our Two Cents Podcast. And I'll be right back with my final thought. The winter season is rapidly approaching, but are the tires on your car or truck ready for wet weather? Bakersfield's best tire store, Clareau Tire, has been serving families like yours for 80 years and installs and services the tires your family depends on when the wet weather comes. Give Clareau Tire a call at 661-324-6069 and ask them about what tire works best for you and your budget. Call Clareau Tire at 661-324-6069 or visit them at 530 East 21st Street in Bakersfield or at ClareauTire.com today. The wet winter weather is rapidly approaching. Call Clareau Tire at 661-324-6069 today. The $600 Bicycle During COVID, I made the transition from getting up at 5 a.m. every morning and going for a run to getting up at 5 a.m. and going for a bicycle ride. And the reason is because my ankles and my hips, yeah, they were telling me so. And like a lot of other people during COVID, we all decided we wanted to get a new bicycle. And guess what? There were none in town. I looked, I scoured, yet there weren't any. And in fact, when I found one, it was two hours away in Ridgecrest. Well, I went and I got the bicycle and I was the proud owner of a bright red aluminum Crosstech bicycle. And it's a great bicycle because it allows me to ride on the asphalt and if there's dirt and gravel, yeah, the bicycle can handle it just fine. And every morning at 5 a.m. I get up and I go for a ride. It allows me to get the heart rate pumping, allows me to clear out the cobwebs and allows me to think for the day and plan for the day and plan for the future and it's great. Except for Saturday mornings. You see, the route that I take over the course of 15 miles has about 800 feet of elevation gain. And on a bicycle, that's a lot. And every bicycle weekend warrior loves to come out of the woodwork and take this route. And going uphill, yeah, I can keep up pretty okay. But downhill, boom, they just fly right past me and leave me in the dust. Now, a few weeks ago, I was watching a documentary about the Tour de France, and I got to thinking, maybe I need a new bicycle. And I started researching online, and I started showing Tamla, hey, they're made out of carbon fiber. They're light as a feather. Hey, look, they've got your body in a position where the air just slips right off you. And look, they even put it so that your legs get the maximum amount of downstroke and power so you can go faster and faster. And guess what? They even come in green. Now, my wife, she nodded and smiled in all the right places. And then she asked me, why do you get up every morning at 5 a.m. and ride your bicycle? I said, well, it's because it allows me to get my heart rate pumping, the blood flowing, allows me to clear out the cobwebs and plan for the day and think about the future. And she said, 
What does that have to do with anybody that you see once a week and you don't even know who they are? This morning I got up at 5 a.m. and I got on my $600 bicycle and I went for my customary ride. And guess what? I did one-tenth of a mile an hour faster on average than I did yesterday. I hope you enjoyed our conversation this week with Amanda Giacomo, the owner of Atlas Financial Solutions, and I hope you learned something that you can use today to grow a strong and profitable business. And until next week, when we celebrate another small business making a big breakthrough. Thank you for listening to the Small Business Celebration Podcast. Some of today's music was brought to you by Ted Hammond, and you might find more of Ted's music at ReverbNation.com forward slash Ted Hammond. That's ReverbNation.com forward slash Ted Hammond. If you enjoyed this episode and gained some insight from it for your business, subscribe to the Small Business Celebration Podcast at iTunes.com forward slash Small Business Celebration and give us a five-star review. Also, if there's a business you'd like us to interview, reach out to us on LinkedIn and Facebook and let us know. Until next time, I'm your host, Michael Roberts of the Small Business Celebration Podcast, and we wish you a strong and profitable business.